ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد at the beginning of surah al-ankabut at the beginning of surah 29 the spider Allah mentions some ayahs that whenever we come across them, whenever we're reminded of them, anytime we read them, we listen to them, we hear a lecture about them, these are ayahs that always resonate with us, they always captivate our attention, and they always pull us in and force us to pay attention and to reflect very deeply internally. After Alif Lam Mim, Allah poses a question. Do people really think that they can claim to believe and that claim is not going to be tested? Do they think that they can claim to believe and they're not going to be tested? And then Allah mentions history. Allah says that those who came before us, they were tested. And through that process, through that filtration process of testing, it revealed who was truthful in their claim and who was not. One of, I think, the most significant tests that our community is facing collectively is in connection with the next generation. They're being tested in a million different ways at once. They're being hit from all sides. If you just look at life 10, 15 years ago in comparison to now, it's night and day, specifically in connection with the challenges and the tests that the youth are facing. It's a test for us as a community to think and reflect, to plan and execute what are we doing, what can we do to help the youth so that we pass the test. So that we pass the test of making the claim, La ilaha illallah, but we have to put that claim into practice. We have to turn it into a reality. And if we do our part collectively as a community to pass that baton successfully to the youth, to the next generation, we don't want to see them at the same level as us, whatever that level may be, in deen, dunya, education, business, whatever it may be. We want to see them elevate more. We want to see them do better. We want to see them shine far brighter. This concern has to be at the forefront for each and every one of us. This is not something that is on the back burner. This is not something that we kind of leave to the wayside and maybe we'll figure out some solutions for the youth You know, later on down the road when we have the time, when we have the money. Pause. If so, may Allah protect all of us. If someone's house is on fire, you get out ASAP and the only thing you prioritize is people. Everything else is secondary. The books can be replaced, the furniture can be replaced, the, the autographed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar basketball, that can be replaced. Whatever it may be. 
Allah tells us in Surah Tahrim, O you who believe, and when Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, Abdullah ibn Abbas, who was not only the first cousin of the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet made specific dua for him, especially as a child, because as a kid, he wanted to have a sleepover at the Prophet's house ﷺ, his cousin's house, because he wanted to pray tahajjud with him. No one forced him, mom and dad didn't tell him, hey go ask the Prophet if you can do this on his own, as a kid, to contextualize things, the Prophet died at 63. Abdullah bin Abbas, his first cousin, was 13. So he was younger than 13 whenever this happened. He voluntarily wanted to sleep at the house of the Prophet ﷺ so that he could pray tahajjud with him, so he could pray qiyam with him, so he could get up in the middle of the night by choice as a child so he could pray with the Prophet. So that happened. He pretended like he was sleeping. And then the Prophet asked his wife, Maymuna, is, is the boy asleep yet? She said, yes. So then the, the Prophet wanted to wait until the boy went to sleep because he knew that, okay, he, he's excited. He wants to pray with me. He had this feeling. He had this inkling, But out of mercy, out of compassion, he wanted to wait until the boy was sleeping before he got up for his nightly routine. As soon as... He understood as soon as he thought that this child is asleep, then he got up to pray qiyam. He got up, he made wudu. And when that's happening, and then he, the, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he's peeking, he's watching. He's keeping an eye out. He's pretending like he's still sleeping, but he's, he's watching the Prophet. He doesn't want to get up until the Prophet starts praying. He doesn't want the Prophet to change anything. So he's watching the Prophet making wudu exactly how he's doing it, his routine. The Prophet starts praying. Abdullah bin Abbas gets up. He makes wudu the same exact way. He just observed the Prophet making salam, And then he joins him. He joins him not knowing any better to the left of the Prophet salam. So in prayer, the Imam is supposed to be on the left. So the, the, the Prophet moves Abdullah bin Abbas to the other side. And Abdullah bin Abbas, he takes a step back. And the, in prayer, the Prophet brings him forward. Again, a second time, he takes a step back. The Prophet brings him forward. He takes a step back a third time, the Prophet leaves him. The Prophet concludes these surakas, and then afterwards he asks this incredible boy, he asks him, why didn't you want to pray next to me? I wanted you to pray next to me. Look at the love, the kindness, the concern the Prophet has for his cousin, for the youth, for the next generation. The Prophet is the one insisting, I want you closer to me, I want you to be next to me. And as a boy, as a child, Abdullah ibn Abbas responds, and he says, how can I pray right next to you when you're the Messenger of Allah? The Prophet saw this. This produced a unique type of glimmer in this response within him, within this boy. So the Prophet makes dua for him specifically, the Prophet says, Oh Allah, teach him the interpretation of the Qur'an of Islam and make him understand this deen. This Abdullah ibn Abbas later, he would say, so he, became, he grew up to become a great scholar from the younger Sahaba. You had the more senior Sahaba, Abu Bakr and Umar, Uthman, Ali, radiallahu anhum, ajma'in. And then you have the younger Sahaba. Abdullah ibn Abbas was from that younger generation. He grew up to become a great scholar. He's the one who said, whenever you come across Ya Ayyuhaladina Aminu in the Quran, then pay extra attention. Because Allah is either going to tell you to do something that's good for you or to avoid something that's harmful for you. So his advice was someone who made who the Prophet made dua for specifically. 
You have different variations of it, but that's that's the, the, the key concept. He's the one giving this advice. So this advice really needs to be taken to heart for, by me and by you. When Allah says, Ya ayyuhaladina amanu, qu anfusakum wa ahlikum nara, right at the beginning, Ya ayyuhaladina amanu, Allah is pulling us in. Yes, pay attention to the whole Quran, but pay extra attention when you find Ya ayyuhaladina amanu. At the beginning of the ayah, Allah is saying, Oh, you who believe, Allah is pulling us in. There's this extra level of importance. Save yourselves and your family members from the fire of hell. What is the main concern? May Allah protect all of us from ever having to deal with that situation. Conceptually, though, we can reflect. What is the most important thing that Allah is teaching us to prioritize? Save yourselves and your families from this fire. Allah didn't say also save some gold, some silver. Nowadays, you know, your bank account, this, that, or the other. The priority has to be people, especially your family. When we reflect on what are we doing as a community for the next generation, it's a test. Are we going to pass it? Are we going to fail? If collectively as a community we come together and make this priority number one, not an afterthought, we have to make it priority number one because if we're not doing what we can to prepare the youth today for tomorrow, then what are we doing? What are we investing our resources in? What are we prioritizing? Oftentimes there are other things. They have their time and their place. It's not nearly as important as the next generation. I'll give you three examples. Because someone may be thinking, okay, th this is an idea, but where can we find this in the Qur'an and the Sunnah? I gave one example from the Sunnah. I'll give you three examples from the Qur'an. When Prophet Ibrahim salam, he's given the promotion of a lifetime. In Surah Al-Baqarah, at the end of Juz 1, Para 1, Allah says, this is to Prophet Ibrahim salam. This is after he's passed all of these different incredible tests that he's had to go through. Tested like no one else. Imagine he literally survives fire by the grace of Allah. He and his son, they passed the test of the sacrifice. Imagine all of the different trials and tribulations that he's gone through up until this point. This figure of Prophet Ibrahim is so important, the one in the Qur'an, the one person Allah describes as his Khalil is Ibrahim alayhi salam. Now in a hadith of Prophet والسلام, he mentioned that he was also given that rank. So the two people in history that were given that rank, Prophet Muhammad and Prophet Ibrahim, at the end of our prayer were constantly reminded of these two figures. It's no coincidence. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid. Both are constantly remembered in every namaz and every prayer. This is not coincidence. This Ibrahim السلام, when he's told by Allah Azza wa Jal, I have made you an Imam for mankind. I have made you an example, a leader for all of mankind. Think of the context. Allah is telling him, after he's passed all of his tests by this point, imagine how many years and decades of struggle and strife and challenges and ups and downs. And if you go through the, the life story of Prophet Ibrahim, it'll amaze you. Every page, every paragraph is going to resonate with you and I in some way, shape or form. And it's going to hit us time after time after time. He's the one when Allah tells him, I've made you an imam for mankind. Without thinking for a second, his immediate response 
What about the youth? He's told as an individual, imagine someone, they, they get the promotion of a lifetime. They have the opportunity of a lifetime. What's going to be on their mind? What was on his mind? What about my kids and their kids and their kids and their kids? He's not even concerned about one generation, but many generations to come. He's told, you're an imam for mankind. His immediate response, what about my kids? And their kids and their kids and their kids. It's not just the youth of today, but tomorrow and the day after that, the day after that. It has to be priority number one at the forefront. And if we do what we can as a community to for us to pass this test and to help them to pass their tests, then that's going to be a sign of truthfulness in the eyes of Allah. That's going to be serious proof for you, for me, in our book of deeds on the Day of Judgment. If we're asked, what did you do with this time that I've given you? What did you do with the resources that I've allocated for you? If someone responds and if their response is simply limited to, I did what I could to help the believers of tomorrow today. I did what I could today. Don't you think that's going to be enough with Allah? Don't you think that's going to be extremely significant with Allah Azza wa Jal? If you were to summarize your life in a nutshell, and that summary was, I did what I could to help the believing youth. I did what I could to help them, to serve them, to protect them, to guide them, to, to shield them. I did what I could, Ya Allah. It may not have been much, but I tr really tried my best. Chances are you're going to be okay on that day. Read your own book of deeds on that day. It's going to be sufficient for you or against you. So every individual, their own book of deeds will either bear witness for them or against them. They're either going to receive it in their right hand or in their left hand. At the forefront, priority number one, we have to prioritize as a community to do what we can, where we can, when we can to help the youth today. You know, we often tell the youth, you guys are the future. That's true. They're also the present. We can't take the approach of thinking that, okay, they're the future, we'll figure some other stuff out in the future. and No, 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 we need to figure out what we can do today. This is at the forefront of what we have to do. There is that sense of urgency. I'll give you two more examples from the Qur'an. One is Prophet Ibrahim. Two, when Sayyidah Maryam is born, when her mother gives birth to her, and... When she gives birth to her, she's giving birth to an orphan. Because the mother of Sayyidina Maryam, Imran salam, he passed away during the pregnancy. So she was born as an orphan. Imagine the weight of concern on this now single mother's shoulders. Imagine the weight on her shoulders. Imagine the level of concern. She gives birth to this baby. And her immediate response is to make dua. What does she ask Allah for? What is at the forefront of her priority list when she just gave birth to a baby? Imagine her as a mother holding this baby. She just gave birth to a baby. Exhausted like no other time in her life. What is at the forefront of her concern list? What, what is her priority list? Ya Allah, I've named her Maryam and I ask you to protect her and future generations from her from shaitan. 
Imagine this mother holding a baby saying, Ya Allah, protect this baby and the potential future babies of this baby. At the forefront of her concern, of her concerns, not only this baby, but what about what about whoever is going to come after her? That's the, the foresight. That's the level of depth of vision that she had. You find a similarity here. Prophet Ibrahim, his concern, generations of youth to come. Priority number one. The mother of Sayyidah Maryam. She gives birth to Maryam. What's her priority? What is at the forefront? Yalla protect her and her future kids from shaitan. And the third example, and I'll conclude with this, when Prophet Zakariya salam, so he's descended from Prophet Ibrahim salam, so he's connected to the first example I gave from the Qur'an. He's also connected to the second example in Sayyidah Maryam. He was the caretaker because Imran salam, who was the Imam of uh, Al-Aqsa at that time, had passed away. That's why there was this void. That's why there was this discussion. Who's going to be the male figure to take care of her? It ended up being him. Prophet Zakaria At the beginning of Surah Maryam, what does he say? What is he so concerned with? He's By this point, he's very old in age. His wife is very old in age. What is concern number one for him? You find it right there in Surah Maryam. وَإِنِّي خِفْتُ الْمَوَالِيَ مِنْ وَرَائِي I'm so deeply concerned about the next generation, Ya Allah. That whole passage is him talking to Allah, asking Allah, give me a child. Because I'm so concerned for this next generation, give me a child who will be a leader for them in terms of good. I'll take on that responsibility. I'll raise that child myself. Me and my wife, Ya Allah, give us this gift, give, give us this miracle because we're so concerned for the next generation. It was at the forefront of his priority list. Not an afterthought, not on the back burner, not after, hey, first let's build a super fancy masjid with this dome made out of gold and silver and this, that, and the other. And then maybe we'll think about the youth. Do you think the youth care about what that dome is made of? That's not going to be a magnet for their spirit to want to go to that location. Youth go where they're loved. They go where they're prioritized. They go where they're celebrated, not tolerated. If they're, okay, fine, we'll, we'll deal with you for a few minutes while you're here. Why would they go back there? But if they're welcomed and loved and they're shown prophetic kindness, they'll come back time and time again. Go back, look at the seerah of the Prophet, the impact that he had on the youth of his time in Mecca and in Medina. You find this consistent theme. The Prophet was always concerned about the youth. And you find them loving him, serving him, wanting to, to defend him in battle, r- rushing forward to do what they could because he earned that. He put in the work. We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us. We ask Allah to make this reminder beneficial for all of us. Subhanahu rabbika rabbil hazati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursalin. Alhamdulillahi rabbina. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. 
ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ربنا اتنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه وقنا عذاب النار ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قره اعين واجعلنا للمتقين اماما ربنا لا تؤاخذنا ان نسينا او اخطانا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا اسرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقه لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا انت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين واقم الصلاه